0: welcome to episode 182 of Milwaukee's tailgate brewers podcast part of the MKE tailgate podcast network I'm James joined today by Paul Noonan Ryan is enjoying a nice vacation so it's just the two of us sitting here talking about opening weekend against the twins and uh, I well, guess Paul how you doing <laughs> uh,
1: fine doing better than the brewer offense is, but uh, not as well as the brewer pitching so all in all pretty good Yourself, nice
0: happy medium in between there. Yes. The, the Brewers pitching and the Brewers hitting. Indeed. Yeah, I I'd, I'd say I'm doing pretty well too. Uh, glad to have baseball back. I uh, wish it was a little bit more exciting. The last <laughs> d- eh, Sunday's game was was dull, but Saturday's was was fun, as fun as a a no offense game can be. It right? was, so. it, and I
1: just, I know people are a little panicky right now over today's game, especially, but that. Burns Berrios pitchers duel is legit and not just bad Brewer offense that um, th- that was a low scoring game kind of honestly Berrios is outstanding in addition to Burns being
0: outstanding so no reason to panic quite yet it is what it is. Right, right. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, But before we get going, a reminder that you can help support the podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets your question priority here on the podcast. And for five bucks a month, you get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. You also get some reporting as eligible Packers mini pods from Paul through the Packers off season. All right. So As we sit here, you know, we're doing this Sunday night, only three games to talk about that opening series against the Twins. Obviously, (laughs) Brewers only won one, uh, but the one was an exciting one. It was, you know, opening day. I feel like opening day wins are semi-rare for the Brewers, too. Uh, But, you know, they had that late comeback and uh, really exciting finish before dropping the back-to-back games to lose the first series I guess let's start with the positives I mean the <laughs> offense didn't look bad on that first day at, at, at least you know they got some help obviously from the twins right you had, you had um, a throw into second base when he shouldn't have <laughs> with a three-run lead you had Max Kepler unable to catch a baseball uh <laughs> that that play but... was infuriating
1: for like five different reasons but yes ultimately it did help them quite a
0: bit <laughs> exactly uh but I guess the biggest positive that we want to talk about is the starting pitching right like yeah. it, it's it been really good all weekend even Adrian Hauser on Sunday your, your favorite did pretty well although you know as we talked about the twins don't really have lefties so that wasn't a concern yeah they
1: don't um Nick Cave actually playing because of the injury to Donaldson I believe he's a lefty but you know Hauser did basically what he should do against you know this lineup and looked looked all right he's your three starter that's a fine outing from a three starter so he he was good um but we should go back to go back to the first game and it was good they scored six runs it's hard to have too many complaints about that and you we should start with Woodruff actually, but uh, really quick if I can, if I can just throw this out there for future. Go ahead. <laughs> the, they did get um, the benefit of a lot of Babbitt pluck and a lot of Duck snorts in that game too. So um, to the extent offense is weighing heavily on everybody, it is it is for me too for that reason. Um, it was not it was a good offensive performance, but it wasn't like you know everybody mashing all over the park. But aside right. from that, w- Woodruff fantastic, uh, great start. Um, Kept everything in check, and outdoing Kent is always a good thing. He has owned the Brewers a couple times in the past. He's really good, and it's nice to see Woodruff come
0: out and just you know be what exactly what we expect him to be this season. Right, he he had to grind a little bit in that first game, but again, this is a really good Twins lineup too. So yeah. I think if anything that makes the starting pitching even more encouraging right because the twins are going to mash this year we we saw them mash a little bit today <laughs> and through this weekend but yeah you know Woodruff very solid Corbin Burns um you know it was like the talk of baseball Twitter all Saturday night yeah you know like <laughs> if you weren't watching the final four I think maybe you were watching that game uh Corbin Burns and Jose Berrios just going toe-to-toe um Dude looks electric, and you know I'm like the biggest Corbin Burns fan in the world, so I'm not exactly objective here, but I guess, Paul, what were your, um, I guess, impressions of how Corbin looked on Saturday? Uh, I mean,
1: phenomenal, and I think with Corbin, the worry is that maybe last year is not the real Corbin, and two years ago is, and it was, we had to kind of check and see if the home run problem was going to rear its ugly head, if he was still as electric as he looked last year, Um, you know, kind of going in full-on, full-time starter mode, starting out a full season, if you'd be able to keep that up. I mean, it's game one, but you got to pace yourself a little bit. And right. you know, it, uh, from that game, it looks like he's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. So uh, that's a good lineup he's facing. And, and honestly, an outstanding pitcher's delay was one of the best low-scoring games you'll ever see. Just electric stuff from both guys. Um, I, I do feel a little bad. I, I jinxed them out of a combined uh, perfect game. Um, ah. Corbin's first walk was on the 26th batter of the game. Actually, maybe the 27th batter of the game. Um, and he got out of it, but we almost saw 27 up, 27 down, which I always enjoy. Uh,
0: you, but, you were the one to jinx it, not me this I time. always pay was attention great, to yeah.
1: it because I saw Chris Carpenter and Giovanni Gallardo do it once in person, and it was awesome. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was the most Chris Carpenter, Giovanni Gallardo um, versions of themselves. Chris Carpenter did oh, that man. in like 42 pitches, and Giovanni did it in like 112 um, <laughs> <laughs> and could not finish the game, obviously. But uh, it, it's it's fun. It was such a it was such a good performance um, from everybody on the pitching staff that game. So good.
0: Yeah. Uh, disappointing that Buxton ended up getting him, but I, I don't think you can be too too mad about that. Nah. And even, you know, if you're worried about the home runs coming back, I mean, Byron Buxton showed this weekend he's really freaking good. So <laughs> I wouldn't t- worry too much about that. Yeah. Um, and we mentioned Hauser today but i guess outside of the starting pitching i i wanted to point out like josh Hader, too on opening day because i think you know Triple early season hater yeah, right <laughs> exactly that's what i want to talk about because you know how i feel like the last year or two at least we've been talking about how oh no his his velocity's down early in the year he's slowly ramping up or whatever Dude's sitting out here throwing a legit 100. Like, it, <laughs> I thought at first it was uh, just hot opening day guns, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, StatCast verified it. Yep. I mean, yeah, so <laughs> Josh Hader throwing 100. I think I can't remember him throwing that hard ever. Can you? Absolutely not.
1: I feel like he's always been sort of a mid-90s guy that just benefits from being, you know, so tall and lanky um, and has that that really close to the plate delivery like, like Randy Johnson used to and he's a fireballer, but, you know, we've seen guys throw harder. This, this is all new. So, um, <laughs> hopefully he can keep that up, because if he can, he's completely untouchable. I mean, you already have no time to react to a Josh Josh Hader pitch, and if you add four miles an hour to it, you're just toast. So, um, I think that the Brewers, like, lead the league in miles per hour added so far, um, if you aggregate yeah. all of <laughs> what people gained off of their averages last year. You know, obviously very small sample size, but whatever work they're doing in the pitching lab seems to have paid off quite a bit already.
0: Right. I think Woodruff even, did he touch 99 on opening he day? Did. I he feel was like throwing that 99 was early. Yeah. It, Corbin always throws really hard, but yeah, I, if you're talking velocity added, I, I have no idea. And like if Josh Hader's throwing a hundred, I'm suddenly like less likely to want to <laughs> trade him right now because that's really awesome. But,
1: uh, his velocity has actually been steadily creeping down the last few years. Uh, And that's the big, I think the biggest surprise here is, you know, you see guys get on that trend and, you know, our arm damage happens and little things happen. Um, and, you rarely see a guy rebound from it absent, like you know, a serious rehab from an injury that was causing it. You know, it's one thing if a guy has arm soreness or has to go on the DL for a while, and comes back and gets some velo. That's one thing, but this is like a three-year trend reversal where he picked up like five miles an hour. I can't think of a precedent for it. It's really something.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And and granted, we're talking like one day here, yeah. so maybe we need to see what he does the Probably. rest of this week before we uh, get too carried away. And I, I think. You know, the thing was like Hater and Council, both on opening day, they were like, didn't realize he was throwing that hard, but you know, obviously maybe it's the having the fans back. I mean, everybody was talking on opening day, just how energized they were by that. So maybe it was a little adrenaline boost there too. Who knows? But it'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes going forward. But yeah, that's, indeed. that's exciting. Unlike the Brewers offense, which has not been <laughs> exciting. Uh, you know, we, we talked. It, it's hard to fault him too much for Saturday because Jose Barrios was electric and just well, just as nasty as Corbin Burns. Also a guy
1: running, that's so. picked up a couple of ticks on the radar gun since last year, according to my my twins fans, friends around here. So, um, yeah, a- another guy who is basically adding a tick makes
0: him untouchable and uh, probably one of the best pitchers in the AL this year. Right and he he had kind of a rocky twenty twenty he did even if we want to like throw that out, but apparently the you know.
1: book on Barrios before was that he would uh if he had a call go against him or an error or anything like that, he would just completely go to pieces so um hmm. there's a little bit of mental i feel i actually feel like Brandon Woodruff's kind, used to be kind of like that, oh yeah, and he would yeah. kind of fall apart a little bit if he had something go against him um but uh Barrios has apparently picked up like one or two miles an hour on his fastball and um, they've always said if he can just keep his composure, he's basically unhittable, and that's what we saw. So, um, good, yeah. good for the Twins.
0: Lucky for him too. CB Buckner was uh, giving both of them uh, plenty wide strike zone on Saturday not a, not a as well. Game
1: as Buckner tends <laughs> to be, he is the second worst umpire in baseball.
0: There you go. Uh, but I, you know, it, Saturday is one thing, but then kind of Sunday the the bats (laughs) against Michael Pineda didn't didn't look good either so uh, I guess how worried are you three games in granted but also knowing that you weren't really excited about the offense at least last year and maybe had some reservations this year
1: I'm I'm not going to overreact to to three games of subpar offense Um, but it would have been nice to see a couple more home runs or even extra base hits than they had so uh, they got halfway
0: through sunday before they hit their first home run yeah and it was jackie
1: bradley jr who is not exactly a font of power in the game so (laughs) no i mean it's early guys go through slumps but coming off of last year where everybody went through a slump for the whole season (laughs) um it's a little more worrying as a continued trend like the best hitter on the team right now is travis shaw (laughs) which (laughs) right uh, it's not great right. because... Shaw, that's maybe Narvaez. Go, go Narvaez away. had
0: a couple of good days, but yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah, and I have stats pulled up right now that don't count today, and some guys had decent days today, but um, you, you know, we, we did our preview last week, and I think a lot of what we were worrying... Well, Shaw's fine, actually. Third base was our second most, but first base, <laughs> not looking great. <laughs> right. K- Keston here looks terrible, and um, he's had some time to work through He's, he's learning a new position, but he looks just completely lost out of there. They have no hits from first base. They have um, one walk, I believe. Yeah, no, it looks like one walk from first. It's just not great. So, he, um, It would be one thing if he was like, getting unlucky, but he's not. He's just missing stuff and playing terrible defense. He's already right. made a couple errors over there, um, and I don't know how long they're going to be able to live with that uh, if he is... Destined to take a trip down to the minors to work stuff out. Um, I, I wouldn't be that surprised at that. I would fake injury him in two seconds at this point.
0: <laughs> uh, Keston actually does bring us to our first Patreon yeah. question. Comes from Jay Google, of course. Uh, so Jay is saying, understanding it's early. When he <laughs> sent this, it was just two games, but... There was a third worrisome game added today. Yes. Uh he's he's asking, are we concerned with Hira and his hitting specifically? He's missed a lot of hittable pitches. So I guess that's kind of the thing that's worrying to me is that we're still seeing a lot of what we saw last year, where he's cutting through some stuff that's right down the middle. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Maeda, Maeda and uh even Barrios towards the end kind of started hanging some breaking stuff, and he just can't. Touch it, so I guess is the stuff swinging and missing in the zone. Is that the big worry for you right now?
1: That's one of them because he should, he should at least <laughs> be pounding that stuff. But uh, I, like one of the first things that happened on opening day was uh, I, I forget which announcer it was, but said that he'd been making progress in spring training on laying off a high pitch and literally swung at a high pitch the next, <laughs> the very next pitch that came through. Which may, maybe you could blame the announcer for doing that, but um, he he seems to have broken no habits. Um, he's been working on laying off that high pitch, and when you do that, like, this is a Corey Hart special. Like, Corey Hart always sucked at hitting breaking balls, and uh, mm-hmm. his, his thing was, okay, you have to identify the breaking ball, and if you see one, don't swing, even if it's a strike because you can't hit it. Just focus on hitting <laughs> fastballs and getting ahead in the count, and when he did that, it worked. And here's kind of the same way. He's got to lay off high stuff and be able to punish the stuff when they come down, and he's not doing that. He, he's not doing either of those things. So, it, it, it's been a couple of years now of working on this specific problem with no progress. And uh, I, I mean, they seem committed to him and it's hard. It's going to be hard to move on quickly after you move him to a position. He's not comfortable with It's, It's not fair to him necessarily to, to punish him for failing at that so quickly. You got to give him time to work through it. So I do think he'll be on the roster a while, but you know, if he's a sub 200 hitter, and not adding power, a month or two from now, they they're going to have to do something. And if that's giving Vogelbach a little more time in the meantime, that's fine. But he he can't hit lefties, so it's not that fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right Billy, exactly. Billy McKinney has a thousand OPS. Maybe, maybe he will still be a force here. Who knows? But uh, I think Hira will be on kind of a long leash at first. But t- in two months, I think that we'll have a serious reassessment of this.
0: Right. And it's not even just that this is a bad two games. I mean, we highlighted it last week when we did the season preview that he struck out a ton in spring training. Yep. This is also a continuation of last year, like you said, and really like his entire career. Like he's going to strike out a lot, but it's just the missing the the meatballs that is just so irritating to see yeah. you know it's and, one thing to see like the Barrios stuff where he's tunneling well and the breaking stuff is nuts but like he's just cutting through garbage yeah. right now
1: every time it happens you see it pop up on twitter too just another another hack right through the middle of the zone another hack right through the middle of the zone like it, it's kind of infuriating right. it's what he's supposed to be good
0: at <laughs> right focus
1: on exactly exactly
0: Exactly. I, I even saw some stuff, you know, opening day, they were talking to Mark Adonasio and then David Stearns. And I guess when I hear his strikeouts is when Stearns is talking and I didn't have the audio on, but from what I saw on Twitter, it sounded like David Stearns was less than enthused with that. At yep. bat too. I think that's an accurate so, thing. So yeah, I, I think you're right. That is going to, they're going to give him plenty of leash here. Obviously, He's such an important part of that lineup too. If if he's hitting well and like he did his first year, then suddenly this lineup looks a lot better than it does. But again, I a lot of last year, the issue was Yelich and Hira not hitting. And if those two guys aren't going, then it's hard for anybody to really get anything going. Um, that it is. I, yeah. I, so I guess the offensive struggles too kind of brings me to this point. Like, wasn't the ball supposed to still be kind of juiced Paul, I know uh, you were like talking in our in our little group chat about some Rob Arthur research from spring training that showed that maybe the ball was still a little jumpy, but <laughs> I, I guess we haven't at least seen that with the Brewers. So, so, what the hell is up with the ball?
1: All right, so we do have some preliminary ball research from Rob Ar- Rob Arthur, who always does ball research, and Enos Harris, and um, they picked up on a trend in spring training w- where it looked like people were where teams were front-loading the old balls and then getting to the new balls, and they were able to pick out which ball was which. And um, now they're very confident in exactly which ball they're using now and what the properties of it are. And if you guys followed what Major League Baseball said they were going for here, it was a deadened core um, and didn't comment on the seams in Eno's article. If you read it, you can actually see him skeptical of baseball because they say they didn't test the seams, which seems oh insane. God. They didn't test drag. <laughs> they didn't comment on drag. So... Um, no one should be surprised that the actual ball seems to be completely the opposite of what Major League Baseball said. Um, it seems to be bouncier at the core level, and exit velocities have actually been higher than they used to be um, last year and recently as a result of that. So they're coming off bats faster, the exit velocities are up, but they have higher seam height, they have more friction, and they're not flying as far. They're specifically not flying as far in a few certain angle ranges that um, I've I, it's like between 30 and 45 degrees it's like a normal good home run um d- degree so essentially it's coming off the ball faster and then if you hit the sort of sweet spot it's dying so i think we actually saw this a couple times in the first couple of games the the buxton did. absolute mashed home run to center field uh, i think was higher than the drag rate um at, exit launch angle and so it flew like it, if you look at the exit fellows from that game there were a lot of balls hit um about as hard as Buxton hit his but um a lot of them died and the one that there's a couple that stick out <laughs> RC is sticks out to everybody but the one yep. that sticks out to me is Yelich's um really really Crushing hit that I, um, was almost caught out in the outfield by I think Max Kepler. Um, I yeah. thought was a home run off his bat. Now, that, that was a little low. It was the, uh, the launching on that one was like 22 or 23, which is a bit low, but it just died. He, he destroyed that baseball and it just, just mm-hmm. died out there. And we've seen that a few times with the Brewer hitters. So, um, I think the I think that baseball failed in what they were trying to do. Uh, what they were trying to do was stupid. They were trying to decrease run production <laughs> for no good reason, and the theory being they'd have more balls in play. But that's not how any of this works. Strikeouts are up, not not a uh, ball in play um, problems. And I think they're going to have a, de- a bit of a dead ball. Uh, I think they're going to have fewer home runs and more flyouts. So. I'll keep my eye on it, but uh, I, I know Rob Arthur and Eno are like, this is weird. What what are they even doing? Do they have any idea what they're doing on this thing?
0: How do you change the ball and you don't test for all the variables here? like that? Well, I mean, I asked the question, but I also know it's Major League Baseball. It's not so I know a that's secret
1: the that seam height was a huge issue. I, uh, either they found something they wanted to keep quiet or... I, I mean, honestly, I have no idea, given the fact that they said they were going to dead in the middle and they didn't even get that right. Who who the <laughs> hell knows what they're doing?
0: Yeah, it'll be something that we, I guess, need to take a look at. It's just not encouraging that uh, the Brewers couldn't really get the offense going at their home park, and now they're going to April Wrigley and they're going to St. Louis this upcoming week. So <laughs> uh, two not super friendly hitter environments, yep. at least you know it, this time of year for Chicago. Uh, But let's look ahead to the next week. So the Brewers played the Cubs three times this month, which seems insane. I'm going to get really sick of talking about the Cubs by the end of this month. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Yeah. And and then they go to St. Louis uh, next weekend. So the Cubs got off to a two and one start, but obviously they played the Pirates. So that barely counts. Cardinals lost two of three to the Reds and the Cardinal Way already started a bench-clearing brawl in the first weekend, so <laughs> I, I did want to bring that up, because any chance to talk about how uh, dumb and irritating Yadi Molina is is cool with me. So, Paul, did you see how this thing started?
1: Um, I, I actually the only, I did not see it. I just saw that Nick Castellanos was involved, which is always a fun thing now, uh, because of Twitter yeah. memes. But um, <laughs> uh, he, he, I, Nick Castellanos got
0: hit, right? And then he, yes. And then he got revenge. So, yes. So he, he got hits, and then he picked up the ball and offered it back to the pitcher, which already kind of rubbed the Cardinals the wrong way. <laughs> no, that's not playing the game uh, the right way, Nick. Sorry. Right. And, and like, the precursor to all of this is, I guess, the night before, he had a little bat flip during the home run. So, of course, the Cardinals got a little pissy about that. So next day, he gets hit. He offers the ball back. Okay, fine. And then he gets back... Uh, he you know obviously he's on base he comes around to score and he scores on a i think it was a wild pitch and the pitcher was covering at home yep. and he flexes over the pitcher after <laughs> scoring uh seemed to be fine he was walking away when Yadi Molina comes like screaming like a bat out of hell behind <laughs> to chase him down as he was walking away to start yelling at him always. so the fight started after he already started walking yeah, away.
1: always good to escalate it, things the cardinals are
0: good It at was Yadi's fault yeah uh Although Nick Castellanos did have a a good quote after the game, too. Uh, He still likes Yachty, apparently. He was saying, the dude could punch me in the face, and I'd still ask him for an autograph or something like that. So (laughs) there you go. Uh, But I'm already irritated with the Cardinals, and it's been three games. They're really Cardinalsing it up. They're doing great. This will be a great weekend. But I guess uh, looking ahead, Cubs, are you... Worried at all about the series, or is is this going to be a better barometer of where they stand? I guess now that they're playing division games this week. I suppose week, as opposed it to is.
1: like so. The twins, the Twins are. We should we should just give this. The Twins are really good. They're going right. to be one of the best teams in the AL. They have a great lineup. They have great pitching. Um, the Cubs are pretty average um, by projections, by what just what we know them to be. And this probably will be a better barometer. Like if the Brewers still struggle to put up runs against. Yeah, like the Cubs aren't bereft of good pitching. They have some, but they also have a bunch that isn't good, and they'll have some opportunities to score runs here. If they go, you know, over the series again, then it's time to worry a little bit. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how sort of the back end of the Brewer rotation does uh, as well against a non-Juggernauts team. So. Uh, th- I think this will be a better barometer for the Brewer depth for the Brewer offense. Um, you know, not so much Woody and Corbin. I think I think we know what we got there. So, um, right. But uh, yeah, it, this should be a truer, uh, this less playoffy, more more just your average summer baseball game, uh, which I think is a better barometer for the whole season than going into a you know the Twins aren't a rival rival, but kind of a rival um, and a very good one.
0: Right, and I, I think for the Brewers' offense sake, maybe we we cross our fingers that the wind is blowing out for a game or two because if they get that jet stream rolling in i think it's going to be trouble for both teams trying to score but uh i think you're absolutely right too just okay. seeing you know like how Brett Anderson and and the rest of the back of the rotation does is going to be kind of the key thing yeah. to look for this week um i'm sure he'll be fine <laughs> the first series cuz the cubs don't really scare me at all and i say that now and of course they're probably going to sweep the brewers now but <laughs> that's how that works uh, I think you should be yeah. worried. In, you got to be worried about the Brewers in
1: every series because I think their bats can go quiet in every series, no matter how bad the opponent is, and
0: that's the scary thing about them. It happened plenty last year, right? And that's that's the risk of trying to load up on the pitching and defense thing that they've tried to do this year, right? Exactly. At, at any given day, you're going to get shut out two to nothing occasionally when you shouldn't lose that game, uh, but we'll. Keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully yep. they get some runs against the division rivals and less quality opponents. Hopefully, so. Uh, we do have a couple other Patreon questions to get to. So we've got Adam post. He's asking how long will the brewers be able to continue keeping 14 position players on the roster? So they started the year with 14 bats, 12 pitchers. They've had some, they, they had the early off day to kind of help recharge arms, but, you know, we've seen Craig Counsell use, you know, Freddie Peralta, Josh Lindblom for multiple innings so far already. I guess how long do you see them keeping this extra bat, aka like how long is Big Dan still on the <laughs> roster?
1: Or or somebody else? I mean, if things right. go south with Keston, Dan gets a little more valuable there. Um, but I, I I think that the the extra position player is a short term thing based on just early season days off, and I don't think it'll last for too long. I I think this is, to some extent, a tryout for a couple of guys to actually... get hot and, and make something of themselves because the pitcher will be up sooner rather than later. Um, they are going to, you know, when you start the season, you get to rely on Woody and Burns to go a little further than you might otherwise have them go. Um, everybody's fresh. You do get the off day. And as soon as they get to normal baseball where, you know, the, the back end is getting them in some trouble. They're leaning more heavily on the bullpen and they have to cycle through more levers to get through games. Um, they're going to get into that situation where, they need an arm or two. And as soon as that happens, somebody's going. So um I, I give it maybe a week and a half, not uh, like honestly, not very long. Uh, whenever you think regular baseball takes hold, that's it, and that's gonna be pretty quick.
0: yeah, I mean, they've been fortunate so far at least through three games where they haven't really had a blow up short start where they've needed to really empty out the bullpen. Uh, I mean, if, if the, they get one of these this week, yeah. they're, they're going to have to make that move. They right? probably so.
1: would have already had to react had we been under the old extra inning rule. That actually has benefited them already once. So right,
0: right, um, exactly. That's which, helpful. which by the way, I'm I'm glad Lorenzo Cain's back just for that rule, right? Because he's like <laughs> the perfect guy to have on second base to start that inning. He you is. know, he he's a really good base runner. First of all, he he's smart. He knows the situational aspects of everything. You know, I. The only other base runner I'd rather have is Christian Yelich on second base, but obviously you want him to hit during that that inning if his spot's coming up. Exactly. So, uh, it, definitely a benefit to the Brewers already, um, and also helpful that they had Josh Hader to throw out in the tenth, where you know, <laughs> <laughs> to base runners don't matter. Um, all right. So kind of along the pitching questions, yeah. Philip Schumacher's got a couple here. He says David Stern said this week they would be creative with starting pitching and the teams with fresh pitchers in September will be the ones that su- will be successful. How do you think the brewers manage their starters throughout the season, a simple innings quota each month or quarter of the season, or will they use more advanced analytics that examine how pitchers trend from pitchers trend from start to start? And if there are early signs of fatigue. Um, so I know we've kind of touched on this subject a little bit already, but yeah. I guess Paul, like all of the above or or what are you thinking?
1: I don't think they'll have really specific quotas with anybody. And I actually don't think that they'll have to change as much as a lot of other teams do to get through the season because they really do keep people on short leashes as a matter of habit. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Uh, the one place you might see a change is with the the two guys at the top. Um, And I do think they'll probably, even if Woody and Burns are cruising along once they get to like 90 ish, I suspect they'll get yanked. Even if they have like no hitters or whatnot going on. Um, but everybody else you know they they really do protect them from going through the order three times and that tends to keep their pitch counts down not everybody operates that way so i think it'll mostly be that they'll have a cap on the guys that can actually go deep um at least for a little while but everybody else i think will have leash to go uh, I, so the one the other place you might see it impact them is just on multi-inning relief appearances, and I think that'll be an interesting thing to see as the season plays on. Um, They did stretch a bunch of guys out to do that, but it is kind of a double-edged sword. It, uh, It lets you get through more games without taxing your starters, but it does tax your relievers quite a bit more to leave them out there routinely for more than one inning, especially if you have to go to them multiple days in a row or in quick succession. So I do wonder how much they will lean on that and with who um and i think that's where they'll have to get a little a little bit uh creative tactically but in terms of starters and like your basic pitchers i think that the the way they normally play kind of plays to this anyway and it won't really change them too much
0: right and that's a really good point i i'm really interested to see how the the multi-inning bullpen guys react once we get into their second or third or fourth appearances of doing that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so far it's gone pretty well outside of, you know, Drew Rasmussen getting unlucky with, you know, Keston here defense kind of extending and hitting <laughs> yeah, there. Poor Drew, He should have had a double play ball and, and instead it ended up being a blow up inning, but did Freddie do multiple uh,
1: innings or am I just imagining he did multiple innings because he took like 800 pitches to get through it? <laughs>
0: I don't, I don't remember actually. <laughs>
1: He had a very freddy um, outing where he got himself in danger constantly, and I don't remember how yeah, he went.
0: No, I, I'm pretty sure he pitched multiple innings. Yeah, I think he did. Um, I was surprised to see him on opening day. I thought that, you know, in the fifth starter mix, but obviously with the day off, you could throw him opening day and yeah. be fine. Um, but, yeah, the, those multi-inning guys, and, and, you know, we talked about it in the pitching preview, too. It's, it's going to take some extra work from Craig council to kind of make sure everybody stays fresh doing that too. You know, you've got to think ahead a couple of extra steps to yeah. make sure that, that you get those guys that the rest that they need. Uh, Philip has another pitching question. He says, we've heard the rule of thumb that the starters inning ceiling is about 100 pit innings more than last year. Any thoughts on what the innings or usage cap will be on relievers through the season and how they may be, be managed differently in a normal year so you know kind of what we were talking about is there an innings limit for a reliever do you think
1: so i doubt there's an innings limit um it's a it's hard to track that and pace for that but i do think they'll be more concerned than they usually are about going back-to-back days and about leaving guys out there as long as they usually do and i think that's where it really gets tricky for them on starters they do keep guys uh, on a pretty short leash but relievers they push and You know, that's where things get dicey for them. It's where you're pushing your pitchers that this is kind of untested waters. Um, I think they'll manage that mostly by cycling guys through um, with strategic miners' call ups and things like that. But I do think you'll see less. Um, dated uh, back-to-back games than you usually do, and that's how they'll mostly manage it. And you might see more games thrown away than normal when they get behind for that reason, too. They might be a little more quicker to punt than they normally would. I, I, I would actually really like to know what their internals are on when to punt the game, and uh, hmm. what they, if any, have adjusted um, for this season. Uh, that's that's one, too. But I don't think an innings cap, but I think they'll be very careful about um, repeated usage for
0: everybody. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the, the punting because we saw Josh Lindblom after the game kind of got away uh, today. And it's sort of like, okay, well, he's basically a starter. Just throw the rest of the game, Josh, (laughs) and and we'll get through this down eight to two or whatever. But, um, you know, Craig's never been shy about punting those games and and not throwing good money after bad, as you always say. Right. So uh, we'll see those. And, And really like those, those, punting pitchers are the ones that are going to be cycled out a lot more than you know, the, the guys that they count on to in, in games that they're leading. Exactly. So um, I, I do think like the innings totals for guys like Freddie are going to be maybe more interesting because he's kind of on that starter reliever bridge there. But I, I would still say, you know, hundred innings for the starters over last year. I, Obviously you're not going to get a reliever to throw a hundred innings, but you know, you can manage those days off a little bit more and, and shuffle around paper injured list stints and in that kind of thing too. So yep, indeed. all right. Uh, we also have a Twitter question. We put out a call for questions on our Twitter account as well. It's at MKE tailgate. You should give that a follow. Uh, so even if you're not a patron, you can just reply to that tweet with your question. You can also tweet your questions to us individually. Paul is at Badger Noonan. I'm at James L. So uh, Twitter question we got this week is from Sean McElmeal. He says, where do the Brewers rank in terms of swings at pitches outside of the strike zone? We talked about guys cutting and missing on inside the zone pitches, but also outside of the strike zone. Uh, He's asking, can they break it down just by barely out of the zone or way out of the zone? And. What can or do teams and coaches do to improve on that? It seems like the Brewers are always <laughs> really bad at swinging outside of the zone.
1: Um, right. So, so I, I've, go, I do have go numbers if you don't.
0: I, I pulled some up too, but y- you go.
1: All right, so I, was, I, I grabbed baseball savants. Uh, for some reason that I don't quite understand, fan graphs actually cuts off in 2018 for this question. Maybe they just didn't care to track the... weird season but i do have 2019 oh it didn't change i have 2020 numbers that's not helpful at all um (laughs) (laughs) i'm having trouble with baseball savants tonight apparently um well i can go i can do this season so um this in this very short season so far they actually don't swing outside of the zone much more than any other team they're they're actually in the upper half in not chasing pitches. Mm. Um, they're, however, terrible at making contact with pitches outside of the zone. They're <laughs> in, in this short season so far, since 2019 is not flipping up for me, they actually have the worst contact rate on pitches outside of the zone. So when they do hack, they're not making anything happen at all. Um, and baseball's font, maybe it works better when you're not using it in the middle of a podcast like I am, but it does have <laughs> it does have outside zone versus edge. And edge is the close pitch. So um, you can actually look that up, um, but it's not working great, and it's the wrong spreadsheet anyway. So um, their edge percentage is about the same as their contact percentage. So they they don't seem to be that much worse. Three-game sample. Um, it, I'll look up 2019 later if I can. Um, t- 2019 stats, by the way, can be a little tricky to find on some of the advanced stuff just because it was a weird season, hard to track, hard to have people around. So um but i i really don't think the brewers are that much worse at it than most other teams it's just one of those things where the team you follow you notice mistakes a little bit more than everybody else and mm-hmm. when they swing when they make bad swings you know it sticks in your head um honestly i'm more infuriated by things like keston hero swinging at pitches down the middle and not getting anything on them <laughs> than i right. am anything else so um i don't really think they chase that much and um, if they have a problem it's that they just miss terribly <laughs> more than anything
0: right yeah it, and I guess maybe I'm more forgiving than I used to be on the pitches outside of the strike zone because I've I've just watched too many pitching ninja gifts to really like feel too 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 strongly about batters flailing because like tunneling is so good now that you don't know what where it's going to end up when you start swinging half the time and So if you end up flailing at a crazy slider outside of the zone, like, I I can't fault you too much on that. I'm with you. It's the the hacking on the meatballs right down the middle because, like, what are you looking for the pitch out of the zone and you just missed? (laughs) Or is your angle just all messed up? I mean, it's not even just Hira. You know, we saw, like, Avi Garcia today uh, whiff on one, like, You know, Yelich has been missing still on a lot of hangers. And it's just, I mean, but like you said, those are the ones that stick out because they seem so obvious and are doubly frustrating. Yeah, I mean,
1: the Brewers strike out a lot. That's definitely true. And I'm sure that part of that is chasing bad pitches. But they're just not a good contact team, generally speaking. Like, they they don't always make great contact in zone pitches. And, um, you know, they're a swing for the fences kind of team or just a bad at offense kind of team what they're they're that dichotomy i mean <laughs> it's it's your your races and Arcia's who haven't come around yet and yelich and not much in between the two so um it's a it's a problem but i think the problem is more just how they're built and you're gonna have those bursts of offense and you're gonna have the everything going to sleep for
0: a while and not much in between so i i take it you don't believe orlando Arcia is the most clutch, clutch brewer of the past 20 years <laughs> based on opening day <laughs> Uh he is not, although he is
1: he is over his career good at hitting with runners in scoring position and two outs. So I did look up that split. you can do, he's also as as this podcast has said many times, excellent at hitting with either a four run deficit or a four run lead. In fact, his best <laughs> split that you can find on baseball reference is in fact that split. He is best when the game doesn't matter.
0: Our observations are true. <laughs> also we were saying he, he probably doesn't deserve the credit for uh, the opening day win because that was all Lorenzo Cain breaking at the right time on the chopper yeah. to home plate, right? It was technically a fielder's choice and he beat the throw and it, that was all low okay. But I will just jump on the theory of Orlando Arcia being somehow awesome in those situations and against the Cubs for whatever reason. Like he sucks against everybody else, but Cubs fans swear he's a 800 hitter against them because those, those are the games that he also does it but uh yeah so maybe a series against the cubs gets the offense going we'll, we'll see yeah it, yeah fingers crossed absolutely uh so yeah that's all we really have for questions this week obviously with just the two of us uh not, not a whole lot of stuff to, to to go around and and we're missing uh ryan's opinions on things but uh, you know, we, we still wanted to do this <laughs> holiday included to to kind of get the first weekend in. So uh, we'll we'll wrap things up a quick and tidy opening weekend episode. Indeed. And obviously we don't want to spring to too many conclusions based on uh, just a few games. So we'll be back next week. Uh, Ryan will be back next week. Uh, but in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify spotify stitcher overcast Cast, anywhere else you listen to the podcast please do hit that subscribe button and while you're there please leave us a review oh i, I almost forgot yep. i did dig okay. up some good reviews we because this. we promised we were gonna do this uh so our most recent one paul do you want to read it, yeah, it so co- I, I, <laughs> we, um, uh,
1: just for to set the stage here uh i think it was last week maybe two weeks ago um some one of us i assume it was ryan dared people to leave bad (laughs) reviews in which i said no don't do that we will ignore them (laughs) but if you leave a good review i I will read it um just to incentivize y'all to do that and he did so thank you for that and so i will read one we have from colin pc who said please read this paul thank you for asking Uh, (laughs) please read this paul best brewer podcast so there you go thanks colin appreciate it appreciate the support more five star reviews Really keep doing that helps us go up the charts, helps us get more readers, et cetera So, um, and we have one we have another a bit of an oldie here. Is that what we're looking at from October yeah. from NJ Brew Crew? Um, never heard a group of people know more about baseball while simultaneously having n- uh, no idea how to pronounce anyone's name. And yeah, that's <laughs> you're, you are I, right. I, about I that. think that
0: tracks with uh, between you, you and uh, Ryan. Yep. <laughs> Uh, My favorite part of the football podcast, by the way, is Paul slaughtering everybody's names. Yannick Ngakwe. I'm sad he's not a Viking anymore for that reason. (laughs) Uh, One of the
1: big secrets of my life is that I actually almost never have the announcers turned on. And so the way I experience player names is almost entirely by reading them and not hearing them. (laughs) So I literally never (laughs) know how anybody's pronounced until somebody makes me listen to it at some point
0: yeah so so we struggle with that Ryan struggles with the patron names so if you sign up to yeah. become a patron, I always say no guarantee he gets her name right on the air but we'll give you a shout out anyway yeah. so there you go I, I'll take that uh we know about baseball and don't know how to say people's names. I think that's that's a fair yeah good five star review too so uh again a reminder <laughs> go and uh, leave us a review and if it's if it's a good one we'll we'll read it on the air why not? Mm-hmm. In the meantime, (laughs) we'll be back next week. We'll take a look at that first full week of games. Ryan will be back with us. Until then, stay well, everybody, and we'll see you next time on Milwaukee's Tale.